Welcome to the Deal with Yield, your podcast series covering the issues that matter most in crop production. I'm John Zook, agronomist for Winfield United. And I'm Joel Whipperfirth, Director of Digital Transformation at Winfield United. On this episode of the podcast, we'll be discussing data transparency and privacy, as well as exploring what demands you should be making from partners who have access to your data. So, John, what would you say data privacy is, and what are some of your big concerns? So, data is and should be private, right? Okay. But I would argue that some of the biggest concerns is data is private. We can probably dictate who gets our data, how it's used. But the biggest concern for me is, great, you have my data. What are, what are we going to do with it? Right. And what what are the restrictions of what's privacy? Um, And I think that's where it goes into a conversation of each person might think one item is private versus the next person. Maybe not so much. Right. What's your nitrogen rate, Joel? Well, you might want to tell me next guy might not want to sell me. So one would be considered private and one would be not considered private. So I think that's my biggest concern is the definition of privacy. Okay, so that makes me comfortable because what what you just said, what I heard you say is it seems that the definition of privacy is evolving. And even as we're digitally recording our voices and we're sure to age gracefully, our voices coupled with artificial intelligence can now be recreated based on the sound waves recorded digitally to say whatever we want. So just know that there's already a deep fake out out there of you, John, somewhere saying something you've never said before. So you tell me I should go back and listen to the episodes to make sure they didn't change what I said? You should go back and listen to all the episodes of Deal With Yield starting now. So... Society's definition of, of privacy continues to evolve. And so I, I always like to start with statements that are not evergreen about privacy, because as you talked about, you know, somebody knowing your nitrogen use efficiency, hey, that's private to me today, but uh, 10 years from now, uh, maybe as we work in towards uh, true Terra insights and consumers want to know more about where their food comes from, which consumers are the the customers of of agriculture, maybe that becomes commonplace for them to know. And me telling you my nitrogen use efficiency doesn't necessarily give away my Coca-Cola formula, right? My secret recipe. And so I I think that's one of the places where I'd say, well, let's talk about, you know, how privacy comes into play and, and how the partners you're working with are assuring your data privacy. So the next thing that I that I see as a concern, and we can go back in and address either these as we go on, but a lot of times we're just swamped with data. So the concern with a lot of growers, or at least me working with them, goes, "Well, here's my data. Tell me what to do with it." And and I don't know if that can be something that I necessarily say, "Okay, great, I have your data. Here's what I would do differently in this." And it's not really that easy of a conversation. But most of the time, I think once you get over the bridge of data privacy, now it's like, "Hey, I got all this data. Help me." And and I don't know if it's the concern of being private or not. It's like, "Hey, I'll almost give my data to anybody as long as they can tell me." what I could do or change differently. And so you kind of get into a little bit of that mindset as well of trying to actually groom the insights out of the data. You just hit a huge piece on there. Everybody likes to talk about data privacy. And there are certainly some growers out there that are trying to play their cards close to their chest and as close to their chest as possible. They don't want anybody to see anything. 
But I find much more growers like you talked about that are going, just help, I'm, I'm drowning in this thing. And, and here's one of the things I'd, I'd make a statement about. You know, the debate about final outcomes, you know, of, you know, should I share this data? Should I not share this data? It's unclear because you're attempting to anticipate how risk and benefits are distributed in the future, right? And so in this particular piece of, will you share your data? Well, what's the risk of sharing it? And how are the benefits distributed? And in particular, the benefits, you know, get questionable when I go, well, if the data is going to be used to improve our artificially intelligent algorithm that helps you make a crop production model that helps you make a decision on your farm, at that point, that crop production model is also going to help the producer who didn't add their data to it. So you're improving somebody's crop production model. Are, are, are you okay with that? Well, if it's going to help me on my farm, that's just one of the definitions of, of you know society's evolving definition of privacy, where I'm going, well, my benefit outweighs what that loss is. In other words, I can see more of a benefit to me using that crop model and adding my data to it than not using it you know, not using the crop model and not adding my data to it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's one of the places, you know, we, ha we have to consider. So a part of that, too, is maybe some personal ownership there is, A, if you're using the model, but you don't have any data in it, how good have how good of a job has have you done or has anybody done to help calibrate the model to actually be a useful thing? And so uh, sometimes I think that is a little bit of a, you go, well, geez, yeah. Because, I mean, I get a lot of girls say, well, I'll just keep my data. I'll use it, but I'll look at everybody else's first and see how I might make. It's like, well, how good of a job have then we done to help you make a decision as well as the others that are benefiting from that? And I think we get lost in that. I don't want to share my data, but I'll look at everybody else's type of mindset. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, that competitive nature, you know, we're, we're, it, there's all this competition amongst growers for land resources in the countryside. And, you know, certainly I, I've talked to a few growers who have said that, you know, I, I don't want to add my data to it, but I want to look at everybody else's data. And, you know, with Anthroplot data, that's one of the ways that we've gotten around that. We said, well, you know, we're cooperative based and, you know, we're just going to build the data and we'll provide this to all of our people that, you know, do, that do business with us. So I, I think that's one place where we've tried to share data back with them as, as they own it. So when we look at data, I, I mean, I have a few questions. I mean, number one is when we say data, what what is what's data? Is that like yield data? Is it all on farm data? And a lot of that goes into you know how much data you have. So could you just briefly define data for me, just so the audience gauges now when we use data from here on out, they can kind of put a pinpoint on of this is what we're talking about when we say data. Yeah. I think everybody refers to data as maybe their yield files and, and really anything that's stored in binary format, in zeros and ones. Or if you're into quantum computing, it could be a zero or a one or a zero and a one at the same time. So if you're still with me on this, you know, data is anything that can be stored digitally. But there's also a mental cache of data that you might have in your head. You know, it's a little bit harder to have data privacy. I, I'm always interested in this as we write legal clauses about uh, certain partnerships. Uh, one of the amusing ones to me is the partnership and the people involved agree to not necessarily uh, retain any additional information, any proprietary uh, information, unless they can remember it. And I always kind of laugh at that. I go, we work with some really smart people who can remember a lot of proprietary things. So I think data is both 
both a mental format, but probably the more tangible legal portion of it is anything that's in binary form. So with that binary form, so to go a little deeper there is if you if you have data of your own, you can't really compare it to anybody else's data unless it's in the same format, yeah. right? So we run into this issue of great, your data is okay, but it's in no other format than anybody else's to even get a good comparison. Yeah. And so the standardization of data and, and the data quality piece is, is one of the places where data silo comes into play, that we can get this into a, in a, into a uniform place so that it can be transformed and and actually brought into multiple different places. So, you know, you, you talked about, okay, so that's the definition of data. But the next thing you asked was, well, you know, what are some of the principles that I should know about the data? And this is actually one of the places we're a really big fan of uh, what one organization has done called Ag Data Transparent. You can visit it at www.agdatatransparent.com. And, you know, they've got a couple of core principles that they should work with. One of those core principles is education. You know, just what you and I are doing here, growers' education and the clarity uh, between all parties and the stakeholders they're exchanging data, uh, data with is really important. Uh, a second one is ownership. The ownership one, I think, is really interesting. In agriculture, we tend to gravitate towards the data is the farmer's data. And that's a great story to say, you know, up on your, um, up on your stump speech. But contrast that to healthcare. When you go to the Mayo Clinic... Your data is not necessarily your data. Your data is your healthcare provider or any data that is created about you, your healthcare provider actually keeps. Now, the exchange there at the Mayo Clinic is they typically put those into studies that allow them to, you know, query, you know, rare cases and those things. So ownership uh, in agriculture tends to drift towards the farmers owning their data. Ownership in healthcare tends to drift towards the institution owning their data. Mm -hmm. So when we look at going forward, what would be the the best avenue. I mean, you gave a great example with, you know, the healthcare has the institution. It kind of goes to say, hey, you can have all rights and access to that information, but for the greater good, we're going to use it for research and your name is going to be removed. You're going to be replaced with a number. I mean, how do we take that similar strategy? I mean, that approach seems to be pretty, pretty well renowned. Uh, we get a lot of medications, a lot of good research on it. How do we take that strategy and pop it into agriculture? And is there anything that exists there? So I guess kind of what I'm getting at is how does a farmer know where he's given his data, whether it's a company and how they're might handling their data and how could he run into, you know, this responsibility of making sure that what they give them is is known between the two parties before it's put into the silo. Yeah. So again, going back to ag data transparent, you know, the thing that they say is what's the collection access and control of it? And that's one of the things in data silo we make evidently clear is when there's a partner, we basically show you who your data is being shared with and it's permission based. So if today I decide that I want to share my data between us and between myself, the farmer, and the, you know, let's say, climate corporation. I can turn that little switch on in the data silo. And if I decide tomorrow that I no longer wish to share that data with climate corporation, maybe I've switched companies, uh, you know, you know, any, any reason that, you, you know, you no longer have that farm, any of those things, you can go on and turn that data off. So a little bit of it, it's about can you, you can give control, but you can also take control back. And uh, that's one of the pieces that's out there. 
when when you talk about the the portability of it, that's one of the pieces that once that digital record is is out there, you also want to have the right to be able to say that you can take your data back. Now, once your data is out there, you can't have only one form of it. So it might there might be a raw file, but oftentimes when that raw file is extracted, it starts to become unidentifiable. And so most of the data privacy pieces that are out there, you know, society's definition of of data is to say any of the identifiable data that that you have in our system, we agree to delete within, you know, 90 days, 180 days, and and things like that. And you've heard a lot about some of the major tech providers like Google having to delete data within a certain amount of days. Now, it's very difficult to know that they actually deleted your data. I'm not sure you have to go into their systems and and look at it. It's a Google search, right? Right, exactly. But, you know, also the other thing I'd say is data systems aren't oftentimes built with the architecture to go back in and easily retrieve data, which is really what that 90, 180 days is about is, you know, it takes time to go out and it takes time and money for that company to go out and request that your, uh, any data that hasn't been anonymized actually be, you know, deleted from their servers. So basically what you're saying there is your data might still exist in the database, but it really isn't connected to you or your farm in any way, shape, or form after that period. Yeah, as long as it's, you know, if in that case it's been anonymized. So if we take your fields, you know, your yield average is 240, my yield average is 239, and I average those two together and I get 239 and a half, at that point it's been anonymized. And it's really hard to take your number back out of that average. Most of the, I think that's an unrealistic expectation that any uh, machine learning model could be architected in a way to go back and rewind the data model. And if that, that that's just an unfair burden to put on a data model uh, for how it works. Mm-hmm. So we talked about here, here's how we might share our data. This is what data is. Um, Here are some of the criteria around it. I think the biggest thing that we run into, though, and that would probably be the most helpful is if you were in the process of sharing data, what are some red flags of when and where to just say, pump the brakes, watch out, let's not go there? Or are there, is there really any huge risks with the data sharing um, as there has been in the past? I mean, everybody thinks of data sharing and they go, well, they're going to get my credit card eventually, or the government's going to use my yield information against me or whatever it might be. Are there really any big red flags there that are, are realistic assumptions I think it's all about transparency. This isn't about passing judgment on, you know, as long as a company says, we are going to sell your data. John, give me your data and we are going to sell it. You at least know from the onset, uh, the, the onset of that, that their intentions are to sell your data. I, I think there's a major turn if the company starts out as, oh, it's yours, we'll protect it, we'll keep it inside this pristine condition that nobody has access to, but then all of a sudden their company pivots, they have a new direction and strategy, and they say, oh, by the way, we're going to sell it. Uh, and so I think that's that's one of the things where you want to pay attention to your ability for contract termination. The, you can't anticipate the future risk and benefits and how they're distributed. And so you can only operate inside of, you know, the company's intentions as they are. But one of the things that you want to pay attention to is what does contract termination look like? If you guys decide to go a different direction than originally stated, do I have the ability to con- to, to terminate my contract with you? And what is your data retention policy uh, and the availability of my data given that? Now, when you talk about the, the retention capability and the availability of your data, 
you may be giving them the only copy of your yield file and not having a backup. That's probably a place where you really want to be able to pay attention to the availability of your data. But if you're keeping, like I do, a shoebox full of thumb drives of all of my data securely placed at the foot of my desk, my house could easily be burgled. They'd walk right by the, the, the stack of $100 bills on the dresser and the, uh, the wristwatch, which is a $20 Walmart wristwatch, and they would go right towards my shoebox of USB drives. You start to realize, you know, if that's the only copy of your data, you want to have that backed up. Most of the experiences I see inside of the the data world right now are creating iterations of your data, and you have a backup of that. So uh, data retention and availability uh, and the ability to terminate the contract in the case that you go a different direction or in the case that I change my mind, that my definition of privacy evolves. You've been listening to the Deal with the Old podcast. If you enjoy the show, which by now you've been listening a long time, Please rate and review us online on your podcast app. And for more episodes, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and thedealwithyield.com.